أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضررياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد uh, Yesterday we finished our reading from the uh, heirs of the prophets uh, the warthatul anbiya uh, um, and there's, a, there's an appendix in it that has some some uh, 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 short biographies and anecdotes with regards to the uh, 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 you know with regards to the great scholars uh, of the past, many of whom were mentioned in the in the in the book. Inshallah, maybe we can return to we can return to that section later. Uh, um, <coughs> but for now, I want to switch tracks and uh, uh, read some excerpts from a book. Uh, Written by Moana Sayyid Abul Hassan Ali and Nadwi, Shaykh al Mashaykh. Uh, he just a little background about him. He was a, a brother in the tariqah of uh, my uh, Shaykh uh, uh, Sayyid uh, uh, Anwar Hussein Nafis Shah. His Nafis was his tahallus, his like uh, pen name that he used for his uh, works of calligraphy because he was a master uh, katib, scribe, uh, calligrapher, uh, and poet. And uh, he used it. For, he used the the tahallus of Nafis for his poetry and for his uh, artwork. Uh, and uh, um, he passed away in 2007. Maybe I would say just a couple of months after I came back to America from from studying in Madrasa. The last time I went to the Khanqa was to give him the good news that uh, I received my ijazat and uh, from the Madrasa. He had been a great. Uh, encouragement and instrumental in getting me uh, uh, getting me admitted to the place where I would end up study, studying. So I wanted to give him the good news. And by that time, he had already uh, slipped out of consciousness. And, and then he would pass away uh, in that uh, unconsciousness uh, several months later after I returned home. I never I never got the chance to see him again. Allah Ta'ala envelop him in mercy and his mercy and, and, and raise his ranks uh, amongst the awliya. So his dear friend and brother in the tariqah, uh, Moana Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi, uh, was the rector of the great Nadwatul Ulama Madrasa in Lucknow in uh, India, which was an attempt, to, uh, an attempt to synthesize the traditionalist approach of Deoband uh, with uh, a preparation for, uh, for the modern world, whereas Deoband was uh, kind of a, 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 a resistance against that. Uh, I think Nadwa had a very similar uh, beginning in terms of their curriculum, but uh, their outlook was a little bit, uh, a little bit different. And uh, Moana Abu Hassan Ali Nadwa was like the intellectual anchor that that anchored that uh, that madrasa. But one of the reasons he was so loved is because precisely he took uh, he took the tariqah, he took the the sawf and the spirituality from Deoband. Uh, he was the Khalifa uh, along with our Sheikh of the uh, Sheikh Shah Abdul Qadir uh, from Raipur who was the Khalifa of the Sheikh Shah Abdul Rahim who was the Khalifa of the Sheikh uh, uh, Rashid Ahmed Gangohi one of the two founders of Deoband uh, and then from there uh, uh, the Silsila goes up through the Mashaykh to the Tariqa Chishtiya Udusiya Sabiriya I mentioned those names not necessarily in order to make a uh, you know, some sort of like a long title, uselessly, but just to mention the Shabu Qudus Gangohi, Sheikh Aladdin Sabir. These are great mashaykh of the tariqah, and their 
they're, uh, I mentioned their names, so in case you're interested in, in knowing who they are, you can go through um, the previous late night uh, majlises uh, and uh, in previous years, and we actually mentioned the uh, the, the stories about about those particular mashaykh. Uh, uh, so you can do that. But Shaykh Abu Hassan Ali Nadwi, rahimahullah ta'ala, um, his initial uh, his initial uh, sheikh in the in the in the in the tariqa was Moana Moana Ahmed Ali Lahori, rahimahullah ta'ala, who was uh, also himself a great sheikh of tariqa and a great uh, alim. Uh, he used to uh, teach. Uh, the Dora of the Tafsir of the Quran and uh, ulama from all over the all over the subcontinent would gather in order to uh, hear his his uh, uh, his Tafsir. Someone recently sent me an anecdote about his life because uh, many of these mashayikh were there uh, during the time of the British occupation, um, and some of them also passed away before uh, their homeland was free. And so, uh, <laughs> one of the most like boss like. Anecdotes I ever heard was Mulan Ahmed Ali Lahori, Rahimullah Taala, Qaddas Allah. It says some of these people Qaddas Allahu Asrarahum Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala give them a high rank with his awliya. So he's he he's like a tafsir teacher, and the British wanted him to validate their rule, and he said I'm sorry I can't do that, and uh, uh, they wanted him to say that the British are the legitimate rulers of the subcontinent. He said nope, and so they tortured him. And one of the tortures that they did was they laid his body down and chained it to a block of ice. Um, <laughs> you have to wonder what kind of weird uh, and what kind of like psycho people these were. Allah Taala give them uh, Allah Taala give them what they deserve. Uh, uh, when we, Allah Taala give them what they deserve. So they laid him down on a block of ice uh, and basically almost froze him to death. And one can imagine how much that would that would be painful. And so when he was basically had about as much ice as a human body can take, you know, before before dying or going to hypothermia, they unchained him and they say, what do you think now? And he said, <laughs> he said, he said, he said, he said, the body has become cold, but the iman is hotter than ever. And if that's not boss, I don't know. I don't know what is. So uh, at any rate, so that was the first Shaykh of Mulan Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi. Then he passed away and then he took the tariq from uh, Shah Abdul Qadir, uh, uh, from whom he received the Khilafah. And he wrote a bunch of books. And one of the interesting things about his books that he wrote was that he wrote them both in Urdu and in Arabic. His, his um, practical command of the Arabic language was far stronger than that of most of the ulama of the subcontinent, many of whom are, are very uh, um, adept at... Uh, um, using uh, the langu- language for textual analysis, but like if you ask them to speak, they may not be super great, good at it, or if you ask them to write, they may not be super good at it. But there are a number of mashayikh um, who were who known for their command over the Arabic language uh, in all four fluency skills, uh, in, 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 in speaking just as much as listening and in, in writing just as much as reading. And so he was one of them. He would oftentimes address uh, uh, the the different uh, gatherings of scholars or the different gatherings of Arab leaders in the Arabic language. You can find YouTube videos of his uh, bayans in Arabic as well as in Urdu. Um, and he was a very prolific writer. And he was a person who engaged the topic of modernity very fearlessly. And he dealt with it in a very usuli, in a very principled manner. And he wrote a number of books that were designed to be uh, a motivation for the ummah to get back to the work that it's 
supposed to be doing and that that in many ways it, it seems to have kind of uh, taken taken more than it's uh, you know lawful 15 minutes of break for uh, and so um, this book is one of those books he published it in Urdu uh, under the name Tari uh, under the name or the title of Tarikh Dawato Azimat and he uh, 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 um, wrote it also in Arabic and it's published under the title Rijalu Dawa Wal Fikr Rijalu Dawa Wal Fikr and so it, it is composed of a number of biographies. During his lifetime, I think one of his disciples, who was a, a little bit better at English, rendered it under his supervision into English. Uh, um, but it's, it's still kind of a subcontinental English. It, it's definitely better than most of the translations you get from the Indian subcontinent from that era. But uh, it could use a little bit of work. So the first volume of, the, uh, of this uh, this work, uh, the first three volumes were, I think, translated during his lifetime and published under the, under the title Saviors of the Islamic Spirit. And so from those first three volumes, there's been a, kind of a new edition of the first volume, a cleaned up edition that Mufti Abdurrahman Mangera from uh, uh, London uh, has published. Uh, and I had uh, 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 two copies, uh, one I gifted and one I gave to a brother who was uh, trying to get married to uh, a, a woman uh, uh, and uh, so he's like hey I have to give her, get her a gift I'm like why don't you give her this uh, it didn't work but hopefully she's inspired Islamically as well uh, uh, <laughs> with whatever happened with her life uh, so at any rate uh, um, we uh, we continue and that's how life goes ladies and gentlemen uh, we continue with uh, the chapter that I wanted to start with uh, tonight which was a chapter of, uh, about Imam al-Ghazali. So he talks about who Ghazali was in great uh, detail. And, you know, Imam Ghazali is a name that's mentioned a lot. A lot of people hear the name and they have no idea who it is. And some people have uh, really positive feelings when they hear the name Ghazali and they don't know who he is. And some people have some very negative feelings about Ghazali. They also don't know who he is. So uh, it's good to kind of know who, who, who he was who his influences were, what the historical backdrop, backdrop to his writing was, what the, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, what the, um, you know, the political backdrop was, what the economic scene was, what the intellectual scene was. It's good to know all of these things. Uh, and part of it is, uh, you know, you know, if you listen, you'll realize that stuff was kind of messed up in the past as well which is a little bit depressing at first because we like to think that everything was wonderful until some nondescript kafir trashed our countries. But uh, uh, that's unfortunately kind of not how it is. Uh, uh, but the reason that it is good for us to know is that uh, we realize that, uh, you know, we realize in knowing that, that we are in control of our destiny and our fate, that we've messed it up really bad in the past. And we've also gotten it together as well, really good in the past. And uh, we've had external enemies that overwhelmed us in the past and we've gotten them back. And we've had internal problems that have overwhelmed us in the past and we've rectified those as well. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, but part, of the, part of the solution is to take agency for our fate and to, uh, you know, see what the roadmap is if we want to fix things or make things right again. Uh, how did they do it in the past? How did it work out for them in the past so that we can perhaps try to do the same thing uh, again rather than, uh, you know, just uh, kind of romanticize and daydream about some magical caliphate that's going to like, you know, I don't know, make uh, Coca-Cola come out of the water fountains or something one day. So uh, it's the eighth chapter of Molana's book. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised his rank. By the way, Molana passed away in... 2000, Mulan Abdul Hassan Ali Nadwi 
uh, he uh, it was a Friday. He was waiting for the Mubarak hour of Jumu'ah and he had read the Surah Al-Kahf and he had still like 10 minutes before Salat. And so he, he thought, I'll start reading Surah Yasin as well. So when he got to the verse, Indeed, you your warning is going to benefit no one except for uh, 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 the one who follows and uh, submits to this reminder uh, 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 and fears his Lord from from the unseen. Fears the most merciful from the unseen. Give such a person glad tidings of mercy and of a generous reward. And with that, uh, uh, his soul uh, departed. Uh, departed from this broken uh, from this broken world Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, elevate his rank and uh, uh, elevate the rank of all those who uh, carried his nisbah with him uh, with them and uh, who did this work and who strove for the rectification of, of the ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so chapter 7 Al-Ghazali Abu Hamid Muhammad al-Tusi Al-Ghazali was born in Tus uh, at Tabaran uh, in 450 uh, after Hijra, he lost his father while still very young. Although his father had entrusted him to the care of a mystic friend, meaning a Sufi, uh, he got himself admitted in a seminary for receiving education. So he went to a madrasa for education. Tus, by the way, is uh, the modern city of Mashhad. We had a, a classmate who studied with us in Pakistan from Tus. Uh, it's in the Khurasan province of the modern uh, nation state of Iran. And uh, um, the majority of the, the, the inhabitants of Tus to this day are, are Sunnis, with the exception of there's a large uh, uh, shrine that the, uh, that the uh, Rawafid maintain uh, in that city. Uh, the, the, sheikh who's, the sheikh from the Ahlul Bayt who's buried there, uh, uh, we, you know, our mashayikh say that, that he was also from the Tariqah, the Sunnah. But uh, at any rate, the shrine is run by, run by uh, people of heterodoxy and Allah knows best. Ghazali first studied the Shafi'i system of jurisprudence from Sheikh Abdul Rahman uh, uh, Ghani in his hometown and then moved to Jurjan uh, or Gurgan in Persian uh, for completing uh, the course from Abu Nasr uh, Ismaili. Here Ismaili is not, doesn't mean Shia Ismaili, but uh, uh, it's just a, a nisbah. Um, thereafter, Ghazali went to Nishapur where he became a disciple of Imam al Haramain. Imam al Haramain is uh, uh, Imam al Juwaini. Uh, who himself is a really amazing person. His books are amazing. He is, he is a, a genius of uh, of of uh, you know of, of of the first rate, and in his genius, he uh, you know, I don't think anyone can claim that he was even behind Ghazali. Uh, I don't think I don't think that that would be a legitimate claim. Um, his outstanding intellectual gifts were soon recognized and he was appointed as an assistant of his reputed teacher, who used to say that Ghazali possessed an encyclopedic knowledge. Although only 28 when he left Nishapur after the death of his mentor in 478, uh, he was held in uh, greater respect than many other aged doctors of his time. Doctors here doesn't mean like a, a, um, you know, a radiologist or, or a pediatrician, but uh, meaning, meaning professors of, of, of the knowledge of Dean. Uh, he went to Nizam al-Mulk, the prime minister of Malik Shah, uh, who accorded Ghazali a coveted place in his court. So Nizam al-Mulk is a really important person. Nizam al-Mulk is a really important person. He was the prime minister of the Seljuk uh, of the Seljuk court, and uh, he 
he was basically a person who understood that the power of the state um, lies uh, as much in civilization as it does in military and economic uh, power. And so, uh, you know, Moana will speak about him a little bit, but uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him. Nizam al-Mulk, he is essentially the, the, uh, the one who inaugurated the institutional, uh, uh, the institutional form of the madrasa in the Muslim world that it would take uh, um, in some lands uh, until this day. Nizam al-Mulk uh, fostered arts and literature by lavish patronage. Scholars in different branches of learning had gathered around him and discussions on literary and other academic topics had become an everyday affair. Ghazali had no match for his genius as well as his polemical brilliance in these debates. Impressed by his outstanding intellectual gifts, Nizam al-Mulk selected Ghazali in 484 for appointment as professor at the famous Nizamiya Madrasa in Baghdad. Uh, and um, the Madrasa at that time was essentially like the greatest university of the world, although the word Madrasa nowadays is oftentimes used pejoratively, but uh, you know, uh, it, it means a place of study, uh, literally. So... Uh, it, it, it means both, you know, Alif Ba'ta study as well as university. But the Madrasa Nidamiya was, 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 was definitely the greatest and we- most well-funded uh, place of study uh, in the world at the time. This was the most coveted academic position of the time, although Ghazali was not more than 34 years of age. His renown as a, as a savant, uh, as a alim, uh, he says a little bit of that old school English uh, teacher and eloquent speaker spread so rapidly that his lectures began to become overcrowded by an ever larger number of students and scholars. Sometimes in addition, uh, 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 sometime in addition to uh, as many as 300 students, hundreds of nobles and chiefs attended his lectures. Ghazali soon came to occupy, on account of his scholarship, intelligence, and forceful personality, such a position of eminence in Baghdad that he was regarded as a compeer uh, uh, of the grandees and chiefs of state, meaning he was he was he was basically he was like a huge time celebrity. Um, in prestige and solemnity, according to a chronicler of his time, Ghazali surpassed the nobility of Baghdad, even the caliphate. Uh, which is not which is not hard to hard to believe because uh, those people at the end of the day they're politicians the everyday people uh, know that one of them will kill another and uh, take his place tomorrow just like uh, uh, the one who is in his place today uh, killed another yesterday um, and uh, uh, you know they, they 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 knew that that was just the, the 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 ups and downs of the dunya but the ulama they 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 counted on them to be uh, their najat and their manja, their salvation for this world and the hereafter. In 485 after Hijra, the Abbasi Khalifa Muqtadi Billah appointed him uh, as his ambassador in the court of Turhan Khatun, uh, who then headed uh, 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 the Seljukid Empire. Another uh, Abbasi Khalifa, uh, Mustahdir uh, Billah, uh, uh, held Ghazali in high esteem, and it was on his behest that he wrote a single treatise to refute the cult of the Batinis. Uh, he named that book uh, the Mustahdiriya uh, after the Khalifa. Uh, and so the Batinis are uh, the Batinis are a heterodox group of uh, of Shias, but they're different than the 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 Ithna Ashari Shias of Iran. Um, the Batinis were like you know, they were the uh, a cult of Ghulat that ruled Egypt at the time. And uh, uh, they basically held that there is the Quran. Its words are, uh, you know, a rams 
they're like a secret code for some sort of secret knowledge and like spiritually inept people uh, will never understand what it really means uh, but the secret imam understands what it really means and once you understand what it really means you don't got to pray anymore or follow the sharia or whatever uh, and so uh, they had a great political power they ruled Egypt for 250 years the Egyptians uh, by and large did not uh, accept their uh, interpretations of deen and they were ousted by uh, Sultan Salahuddin Ayyubi Allah Ta'ala exalt his rank and forgive his sins uh, um, but, uh, uh, but inshallah we'll talk about that a little bit later but Ghazali rahimullah ta'ala and the thing is that the Batinis actually they were the ones who started the madrasa system first before the Sunnis did uh, in order to uh, in order to I guess proselytize people uh, to become their fanatic supporters uh, for their for their uh, their project and uh, um, like many weird <laughs> weird things that people of Bid'ah did like uh, the early adoption of Greek logic or uh, the form formalization of uh, um, of, of you know grammar or whatever the Sunnis uh, will lag and adopt later on but then they'll master uh, master those instruments and use them in the defense of the Sunnah far more effectively than the people of heterodoxy ever can Al-Ghazali's intellectual crisis during this period of prosperity, worldly fame, and brilliant achievement for which a scholar can aspire, it was only natural that Al-Ghazali should have led a life of contentment as most of, schol of the scholars usually do. But for a man of lofty ideals, creative genius, and intellectual grit as Ghazali was, it was unthinkable that he should rest satisfied merely with position and prestige. Uh, there can be no denying the fact that this very internal conflict and disquietude uh, 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 in it, the Promethean quest made him a renovator of the faith. Uh, however, history can offer but few such striking examples where one had abandoned a brilliant career, fame, and position for the satisfaction of his soul. Ghazali uh, has himself described the deep inner struggle which forced him to give up all the worldly possessions, including his teaching vocation, and to withdraw into a life of zuhd, uh, and solitary com contemplation. He writes in his Munqidh min al dalal Deliverance from Error. From the days of my early youth, I had a critical disposition. I met the people belonging to every cult and creed, inquired about their faith and tenets, which in due course made me disregard the beaten path. The faith I had inculcated from my childhood was shaken, for I thought the children born to Jews and Christians too develop similar conviction in their own religions. The knowledge should not, as a matter of fact, admit uh, of any doubt in uh, regard to its veracity as, for instance, I know that 10 uh, uh, is more than 3. If anyone puts forward a claim that 3 exceeds 10 and turns a staff into a snake in support of his claim, I would be surprised at his feet, but my conviction that 10 exceeds 3 would remain unchanged. Uh, that's very deep by the way <laughs> that that's 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 very deep uh, um, uh, these are the people who bring us our our kalam you know the people with these types of sharp insights they're the ones who say uh, you know uh, uh, the first thing that is uh, a wajib an obligation on a person is to correct their iman um 
He said, if anyone puts forward a claim that three exceeds 10 and then turns a staff into a snake in support of his claim, I would be surprised at his feet, but my conviction that uh, 10 exceeds three would remain unchanged. When I contemplated over the matter, I found that true cognition was possible only in the realm of sense perception and the uh, conceptual faculty of grasping those rational principles, which are more or less self-evident. But on further reflection, I realized that these two are not beyond doubt. Amongst the senses possessed by human beings, the perception by sense seated in the eye is the strongest, but that too commits mistakes. Thereafter, the dubiousness in regards to the senses increased to such an extent that I lost all faith in the infallibility of the senses. Then I turned to intellect, but found it even more doubtful and weaker than the senses. For about two months, my skepticism led me to doubt the possibility of any true cognition. But thereafter, Allah helped me to retrace my steps. In returning to peace and reassurance, I acquired the sense of satisfaction over conceptual cognition. It was not, however, uh, owing to any uh, 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 concentration of, uh, uh, sorry, uh, 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 concantation uh, of reason, concantation meaning uh, invoking uh, any reason or arguments, but uh, simply on account of uh, a light which Allah put into my heart. After emerging from earlier uh, uh, states of doubt, I had four groups before me who seemed to be engaged in the search after truth. These were the dialecticians, the, the, the mutakallimun, who claimed to possess insight and wisdom, the batinis who insisted on a hidden, true, deeper uh, knowledge vouchsafed to them through their impeachable, unimpe- unimpeachable and impeccable imams, the philosophers who arrogated themselves as masters of logic and reason, and the Sufis who laid claim to be illuminated and favored with uh, uh, beatific vision, with, with basically uh, divine uh, vision of divine uh, origin. I proceeded to explore the ideas and thoughts with uh, uh, all of them. I studied the writings of reputed, dialecti- reputed dialecticians, meaning the mutakallimun, and authorities of the science and uh, uh, myself penned a few of these treatises. I reached the conclusion that although this branch of learning fulfilled its object, uh, it was not sufficient for my purpose as it argued on the premises put forth by its opponents. This is something really important because uh, those people are the, I guess, the antagonists of Ilmul Kalam. They say that, you know, one of the proofs against it is that it's written in the um, it's written in the, 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 the Aristotelian logic and in the style of, uh, uh, of, uh, of, you know, people of Kufr, uh, and, uh, therefore it's not an accurate or proper presentation of, of Dean. And, uh, you know, the purpose of it is to refute, uh, refute the people of a particular bid'ah. Uh, and in that sense, uh, that's kind of how it has to be, but it isn't the Dean itself. It isn't, uh, it isn't the dean itself. So Ghazali is, I guess, uh, um, remarking about that. He says, I, I, reached, I reached the conclusion that although this branch of learning fulfilled its object, it was not sufficient for my purpose as it argued on the premises put forth by its opponents. The dialecticians uh, have to rely on a number of premises and propositions which they accept in common with the philosophers or they're obliged to accept uh, the authority of the Quran or the Sunnah or the consensus. Uh, but these could not uh, be of much avail to one who has no faith in anything except for in the necessary principles of reason, as was the case with me. In regard to philosophy, I thought it necessary to make a detailed and critical study of the science before forming my own opinion of it. 
I had little time to spare for my preoccupations of teaching and writing since I had as many as 300 students that attended my lectures. However, I somehow managed to find time for it and after having finished the entire literature on the subject within two years, I devoted one year to reflection on the premises of philosophy. I reached the conclusion that the secular sciences can be divided into six branches, mathematics, logic, physics, politics, ethics, and metaphysics. Of these, the first five do not either deny or affirm religion, nor is it necessarily to, necessary to reject them uh, for the affirmation of religion. The precepts of physics sometimes do come in conflict with religious doctrine, but these are only few. In this regard, one ought to believe that the natural phenomenon is not self-propelled but dependent on Allah the Almighty. It is true that all those who uh, come across the agility and uh, 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 incisiveness of the intellect of the philosophers in these sciences are generally overawed by them and are led to the conclusion that this would be true of them in every branch of learning. It is, however, not necessary that anyone skilled in any one branch should be adept in any other science as well. This is also a very deep uh, observation, which is, uh, I believe, is something that has a, a great wealth of relevance to the time and age we live in. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson... <coughs> Um, anyways, uh, when people see the philosophers uh, denying faith and conviction, they too walk in their shoes. On the other hand, uh, some brainless exponents of Islam consider it their bounden duty to refute whatever the philosophers say, and sometimes even go to the extent of denying their uh, researches in the field of physics as well. A harmful effect of it is that all those who accept the veracity of the intellect's search of truth and uphold necessary principles of reason begin to have doubts in Islam itself and become skeptics. This is also a big problem in the time and the age that we live in. And uh, I, I, all I can do is, uh, uh, you know, complain to Allah Ta'ala uh, with regards to people's abuse of, uh, of, of, of their tongue and of their pen. The only branch of knowledge which comes into conflict with religion is metaphysics as uh, it is in this science that the philosophers have generally really been misled. As a matter of fact, the philosophers have themselves not been able to follow satisfactorily in this branch the laws of rigorous argumentation that they had evolved for logical reasoning. And that is why uh, there are wide differences amongst them uh, also in its regard. Uh, I have therefore arrived at the conclusion that philosophy would not be able to satisfy me for the intellect cannot by itself cover the entire field of objects and events nor unravel all, uh, all mysteries. As for the Batanites, uh, I have uh, had the opportunity to make a detailed study of their cult uh, uh, for the writing of the Mustahdiriya. Uh, I had found that the veracity of their tenets and doctrine uh, ultimately depends on the teachings of an impeccable and illuminated teacher, the Imam. Uh, but uh, the existence of such a teacher stands to be verified, and in truth and reality, uh, uh, both are extremely dubious. Now only the mystics remain to be examined, and therefore I turned my attention to them. Mysticism, meaning tasawwuf, is of two kinds, intellectual and intuitional. It was easy for me to look into the first, and I went through the Qutul Qulub of Abu Talib al-Makki uh, uh, and the tracts of Al-Harith al-Muhasibi, uh, Junaid Shibli, Bayazid al-Bustami, and other uh, Sufis. I gather whatever knowledge of Sufism uh, could be had from these books, but found that the knowledge of the essence of reality could not, could be obtained not through the study of the soul, but through intuition, transport, uh, and uh, ecstasy brought about by purification of the heart. 
I had already attained an unflinching faith through speculative branches of knowledge and religious uh, and secular sciences I had mastered uh, on the existence of supreme reality with the capital R and capital uh, S and capital R of supreme reality, prophet, prophethood and resurrection. This conviction was, however, not attained through an experience or argument that could be analyzed. Uh, it had been firmly implanted in my heart. Um, that the eternal bliss uh, could be had only through inculcating the awe of Allah, renunciation of the material world, wholehearted attention to eternal life in the hereafter, and an earnest devotion to God. All this, however, was not possible so long as one did not sever the attachments of possession and riches uh, 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 um, uh, of fame and worldly life. I pondered over my own condition, <clears throat> and I realized that I was wholly immersed in worldly temptations as ties and attachments. Uh, this is, by the way, while he was, uh, you know, renowned as one of the greatest authorities of Dean uh, in his age. Um, we, you know, this type of uh, admission is very hard to come to, uh, uh, and uh, for a person who is actually uh, immersed in those things. So imagine somebody who is just trying to root out a very subtle thread of it from from himself in order to attain purity. Uh, how honest he must have been with himself, rahimahullah. I pondered over my own condition and I realized that I was wholly immersed in worldly temptations, its ties, attachments. Um, uh, the vocation of teaching appeared to be a noble pursuit, but as further reflection revealed, I was paying my entire attention to those sciences which were neither important nor beneficial for the hereafter. I probed into the motives of my work as a teacher and found that instead of any sincere desire to prop uh, propitiate God, uh, I was after honor and fame. I was convinced that I was on the edge of an abyss, and if I did not take immediate steps to retrieve the situation, I should be doomed to uh, uh, eternal fire. Still undecided one day, I resolved to abandon everything and leave Baghdad. The next day, I gave up my resolution. Uh, six months had passed in this state of uncertainty. Uh, uh, on one hand, uh, the pull of temptation asked me to remain where I was. On the other, uh, faith gave a call for me to get up. It cried, up, up, and your life is short, and you have a long journey to make. All your pretended knowledge is nothing but falsehood and fantasy. Often my carnal thoughts whispered to me, this is a temporary yearning. God has favored you with respect and honor. If you give it up, uh, 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 then tries to retrace your steps to come back, you will not be able to get it back again. Thus I remained torn asunder by earthly passions and religious aspirations for six months until uh, it became impossible to postpone my decision any longer. Then Allah himself caused uh, an impediment. He chained my tongue and prevented me from lecturing. Vainly I desired to teach my pupils who came to me, uh, but my mouth became dumb. The silence to which I was condemned cast me into violent despair. I lost all appetite. I could neither swallow a morsel of bread nor drink a drop of water. I gradually became too weak and... At last, the physicians under whose treatment I was gave up all hope of my recovery. They said that my heart was so severely afflicted that no treatment would uh, be of any avail until this affliction was removed. Finally, conscious of my weakness uh, and of the prostration of my soul, I took refuge in Allah like a man who has exhausted himself and is uh, denied all means. I prayed to him who answers uh, uh, the wronged one when he cries unto him. Uh, uh, and he made easy for me to sacrifice honor, wealth, and family. So this is, inshallah, a good uh, cliffhanger. Inshallah, we can <laughs> continue uh, reading the story of Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah ta'ala, and uh, what he made with his, uh, uh, with his uh, incredible journey uh, uh, toward the truth and his desire 
thereof, uh, inshallah, tomorrow night. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa sallamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.